0: Jonathan, are we broadcasting? We would like to welcome our internet audience to this service today. People from all over the world have access by means of technical miracles to be a part of this service. And they hear and they participate, and it's always a joy to know it. The gospel as it's being preached goes beyond just the four walls of this church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to a passage of Scripture in the book of Galatians chapter number 2, Galatians chapter number 2, beginning with verse 16 and reading down through verse number 21. It's very important that you follow along in your Bible. We preach from the King James Version of the Scripture, and we encourage you to bring your bibles with you and follow along carefully because we're what we try to do in this church is to get you to realize that the bible is the word of god it is our only rule of faith and practice we're not here to build a baptist church we're not here to build a methodist church we're not here to please the people we're here to teach what God says in his word that's binding upon all of us to not only hear it, but to believe it and to practice it as well. Galatians chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself attractive transgressor for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live under God I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ that liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law then Christ is dead in vain. The subject of this passage of Scripture is believing faith or saving faith. Paul presents two biblical aspects of saving faith. What are we talking about? We're not talking about church denominations. We're talking about a relationship with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, And Paul presents two biblical aspects of saving faith. Number one is believing faith. That's found in verse number 16. Another term for that would be justifying faith. A man will never be justified until it comes as a result of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing faith is found in verse 16. Now, behaving faith, that's another aspect of it. That's found in verse number 20. That's persevering faith. I'll deal with believing faith in this message, and then I would like to follow up, God willing, with behaving faith next Sunday morning. First, Paul deals with believing faith in verse number 16. There are not many ways for a person to be saved. There's not a New Testament way and then followed by an Old Testament way. Anybody who's ever saved is saved by the grace of God wrought in what Christ did for sinners on the cross of Calvary. This faith results in the believer's justification or his standing of righteousness before God, which is his salvation. This is why it's called saving faith, or believing faith, or justifying faith. Pay attention to verse 16, our text. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This justification does not come by the works of the law. It does not come as a result of any of our works, regardless of how moral those works might be. Man will never be able to have a right standing before God by his attempt to keep the law of God. To fail in one point of the law is to fail in all of it. This righteousness comes through faith in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is the hand which receives forgiveness and life that comes from Jesus Christ. And without that faith, there can be no salvation. It is the means of our coming to be justified and have a righteous standing before God. This is set forth in your Bible in the book of Romans in several places. Take a moment to turn to Romans chapter number 3, verses 20 and 22. Romans chapter number 3, verses 20 and 22. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of god which is by faith of jesus christ under all and upon all them that believe if you do not believe you cannot have that righteousness if you do believe and it is saving saving faith you'll have that righteousness and it is in Christ, Jesus, in Romans chapter number 4, verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? What did Abraham discover about life, in other words? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory But even then he couldn't do it before God. No man can glory before God. But what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Even, pardon me, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. His faith is counted for righteousness. One other one in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore being justified by faith. How is a man justified? By faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is called believing faith. It is called saving faith. It is called justifying faith, and without it, we cannot be justified. Now, the Bible speaks of saving faith, but it also speaks of a counterfeit faith. It speaks of a spurious faith, a faith that is not accurate. There's only one kind of saving faith, but there are many kinds of counterfeit faith. Faith. Let's review. Number one, natural faith. Natural faith. It sounds good, but it is a counterfeit faith. Every person in the world believes something. I do not care whether they are a Sunday school teacher in a church or whether they are an agnostic or an infidel or an atheist. Everybody in this world believes something. It's based upon the intellect. We're born with the ability to believe what we know to be truth, whether it's historical, current, or future. Many believe in Christ with this kind of faith. Judas Iscariot did. And when he died, he died without Christ. Not because he committed suicide, but because he didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. He didn't have saving faith in Jesus Christ. Let me quickly give you an illustration that might help a little bit here. Automobile brakes are a pretty good thing, especially if you're driving on this highway out here any time of the day. What is automobile brakes? It's that little brake pedal down at the bottom. It doesn't necessarily have to have brakes written on it. Uh, You know that's the brake pedal. Isn't it strange that you didn't build that? You had nothing with producing that, but you know that once you stomp your foot on it, something's going to happen Unless something else is terribly wrong and you got a whole lot happening then. What am I saying? You believe that if you hit the brake, you're going to stop. Same thing with about the electricity, the switch that's on the wall. Sometimes they're thermostats like we have in this building. Sometimes they're like little plates that you put on a switch plate. Uh, But you know this, that as long as you just look at that switch, and the light's not going to come on, you've got to cut them on. You've got to believe that when you push that button or flip that switch, something is going to happen. That's a natural faith. Some believe that Jesus Christ is like George Washington. He's a historical figure. Do they believe he actually lived? Yes, they do. Do they believe that he did some of those miracles in the Bible? Yes, they do. Are they saved? No, they ain't. Because it's not saving faith. It's natural faith based on historical knowledge and intellect. History verifies it. Therefore, I must be saved. I believe there was a man by the name Christ. He lived and he died on a cross. I believe that. I went to Sunday school and that's what they taught me. Uh, Where where am I going to spend eternity? Most likely go to hell. Because that's natural faith. It's just a natural belief of history. Another counterfeit type of faith is called temporary faith. You have it for a little while and then you change it over to something else. There is in Luke chapter 8 verse number 13, Christ is teaching on the sowing of the seed and the different kinds of soil that it falls on. One type of soil he mentioned was rocky way soil. And Luke 8, 13 says this. That is the seed that's sent, that is the gospel. If it falls on the rock, are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy? First time they've ever heard that. That's good. I love that story of Christ dying on the cross. But notice they have no root root which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, they fall away. How many people have a real good history of a fine start, but you fizzled out before it was over with? It's a temporary faith. If it doesn't last, it's not worth a dime, my dear friends. It's a temporary faith. doesn't make any difference how loud you shout it, or how many tongues you spoke in when you said you got saved. You didn't get anything. If you're not living for the Lord today, your life is as empty as it was the day you thought you were saved by this temporary faith. Thirdly, there is a dead faith. Leave it up to my dear brother James to define that. If you ever have trouble understanding your Bible, start out in the book of James. He has a way of straightening you out pretty quick. James says in James 2, 19 through 20, Thou believest there's one God, Thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. But we'll found no old vain man that faith without works is dead. They make a profession, but there's no works to ever back it up. It's empty faith. There's no change of lifestyle." Therefore, it is a spurious, it is a counterfeit faith. There is a miracle-produced faith. Now, listen carefully to this. A miracle-produced faith. In the second chapter of John's gospel, verses 23 through 24, it says that when Christ was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, pay attention, many believed in his name, when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. You remember the man in the New Testament by the name of Nicodemus. When he met Christ, he said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Well, that sounds like saving faith to me. No, no. Not saving faith at all. It's just miracle produced faith. This is what he said. No man can do what you do unless God be with him. The reason I believe that you must be of God is because some of those fancy little old tricks you're pulling out of your trick book and miracles you're performing. That is spurious faith. The rich man prayed for Lazarus to be sent to his five brethren. Do you remember that story? That when the rich man died, he went to hell. Lazarus, when he died, the Lord sent angels and bore him up to heaven or to paradise. And the man, the rich man in hell saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom And said to Abraham, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he can go and tell my brothers, I've got five brothers that need to be saved. And if somebody from the dead rose up and told them the good news, they'd believe it. In other words, he was waiting for a miracle before his brothers would swallow the truth. That's depending on miracles, not on what Christ did. On the cross of Calvary. Not only is there a miracle produced faith. There is a professed faith. In Matthew chapter number 7. Verses 20 and following. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 20 and following. Wherefore by their fruits. You shall know them. Not everyone that saith. And the emphasis there is those that say it. Have you ever heard of the term a profession of faith? Do you know what a profession of faith is? That's what you say. That's what you say. Who do we baptize generally in this church? They come on profession of faith. They say something with every. Oh, I I was a little boy when I trusted Christ as my Savior. Or I never will forget, my daddy took me to this old tent meeting and when the preachers are preaching, I just, man, I trusted Jesus. We say this. If I were to ask you point blank, are you a Christian today? I probably would get an affirmative answer from every one of you. Oh, Brother Cozart, of course, I'm a Christian. That's what you say. And what you say is not worth a dime. Are you listening to your pastor? What you say is not worth a dime. What you have makes the difference in all the world. Not everyone that saith unto me, and notice they had their, I kind of believe the little Calvinism involved in it. They said, Lord, Lord. They didn't just call him Jesus. Oh, he's Lord. He's our Lord. Lord, Lord, shall Enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not every man that knows how to say Lord, Lord. Is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day. Lord, Lord have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in that name done many wonderful works. Average Baptist Church, if it had been in the woods or vicinity of this incident as it was happening, they'd have made them on the board and put them on the board of deacons right quick. They had the qualifications. They know how to say, Lord, Lord. They knew how to talk. They knew how to profess. Then Christ says, Well, I profess unto them, I never knew you. You see, salvation is not, my dear friends, you knowing Christ. Salvation is him knowing you, who you are, because of your faith in him. I never knew, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Let's look quickly at the meaning of saving faith. What do you mean, Brother Cozart, when you use that term, saving faith, believing faith, justifying faith, That little word translated faith comes from a Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. It is a Greek word. Isn't it strange? The same word in your Bible translated belief comes from the same Greek word, pistis, faith. Believe is pistiuo. As a verb, it's slightly different, but it comes from that same word. It is the willing and complete embracing of the Lord Jesus Christ, causing the sinner to turn from his wicked ways and thus resulting in his justification before God Almighty. It is believing Christ, not believing about him, it's believing him. It is receiving Christ, not just receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit, It is loving Christ, not just being fond of him. It is living for Christ, not just experimenting with him. It is submitting to Christ, not just talking about him. It is serving Christ, not just taking Jesus as your savior. It is trusting Christ and him alone for salvation and lordship. Pistis. Saving faith, faith, believing faith. I'm sitting on a stool. There are reasons why I'm doing that. We won't get into the medical reasons for it. I hope it doesn't last forever. But while it's here, I like to use it. Now, when I sit on this stool, I sit on it. I don't sit around it. I don't lean on it. I mean, I sit on it. My whole weight is resting on this stool to hold me up, just exactly like my entire sinful past is resting on what Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, he cares for you The dad who told his little daughter to jump in the dark cellar. I've used this before. But it so illustrates one point of this message. That is the little girl walked over to this big tornado cellar type building. Or it was dug down into the ground. And she was calling for her dad. Her dad was already down in there. And he answered her. He said, honey come to the edge of the hole and she came to the edge of the hole he said now I want you to jump she said daddy I can't do that I'm scared it's it's dark now I can't see anything I can't even see you I can't do anything he said you're going to have to jump if you'll jump I'm going to be there to catch you she said well I don't see you you don't have to see me I've already told you you jump and I'll catch you in a split moment as only a child could do, she exercised faith that daddy meant what he said and she jumped in the darkness and he put his arms around her and assured her that she's all right. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never seen him, but I know he lives today for many reasons, first of all, because he lives in my heart. Believing pissed us Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of our faith. Very quickly. Since man is totally dead in sin, he has no saving faith of his own. We're not born with saving faith. That is, we're not born, humanly speaking, the first time with saving faith. It is not something that man works up. It's what Christ has to work in. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus... The author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? That means he started it and he'll stop it when he wants to. He's the author and finisher. has nothing to do with you. You say, well, I just, man, I just closed my eyes and I just, mm, I really tried to have faith. No, faith is a gift of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 3, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. This is something we obtain. We're not born with it. We obtain it at a point in time in our life. How do we do it? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. According to his divine power hath Given to us all things. James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good gift, faith is a gift. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and it comes down. It's not already here. We're not born already with it. It comes down from the Father of lights. And if there's one you should know, it's Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 3, verse 23 and 25, before it came. That is, before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. But after that faith is come, we're no longer under schoolmaster. But faith has to come. It has to come. And in Romans 10 17, faith cometh by hearing. It cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God now very quickly the exercise of saving faith the exercise of justifying faith the exercise of believing faith it involves the element of human responsibility now don't run off yet it involves the element of human responsibility God gives you faith, but does not exercise it for you. God gives you repentance, but he doesn't repent for you. There is an element of human responsibility. You must have faith and you cannot have it unless God gives it to you. And when he gives it to you, You're to exercise it, and it results in your justification unto righteousness. We've got about three places in Scripture one, two, three, four. Take a moment to turn to Acts 16, the book of Acts, chapter 16. We see it at work here. Acts, chapter number 16, verses 30 through 31. Paul and Silas had been cast into a Philippian jail and God sent a storm that opened up the doors and the cell doors of that cell and and the prisoners could go and be free if they wanted to. Paul and Silas were too busy singing praises unto the Lord to worry about the storm. But this Philippian jailer cried with a loud voice and said, Do thyself no harm, we're all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's one of the most important questions I find in the word of God. What must I do to be saved? Mind you, mind you, Paul and Silas didn't have to go to school to be theologians. God taught Paul down in Arabia. He knew that salvation was of the Lord and by the grace of God. But he says to this man, sir, if you want to be saved, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He did not say, well, one saved always saved. Believe you just trust Jesus, one saved always saved. No, he didn't, he didn't go into that rig Nor did he say that Noth- nothing, you can't do anything to be saved. You just sit around, wait around, and if God wants you saved, he'll save you. No. The answer is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Okay? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, not only you, but your house as well. Because God doesn't save many different ways. Saves everybody through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the book of Acts, chapter number 8, verse number 37. Acts chapter number 8, verse number 37 Yes, Philip had been called by the Lord away from a revival meeting in Samaria to go out into the desert because he had a man that was coming on a chariot that did not know the Lord and was unsaved and wanted Philip to preach to him. And so in that context, please notice, Philip's talking with this eunuch, and Philip begins at the same place where the eunuch was reading scripture. He was reading from Romans, pardon me, Isaiah chapter number 53. And, uh, and he was asking questions to Philip. And then he said to Philip, he said, What doth hinder me from being baptized? I mean, why can't I be baptized? He, he had obviously seen somebody baptized and wanted to do that also. And Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart. Did you get that? There's a stipulation. There's a hindrance there. You can't be baptized if you don't believe with all your heart. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He said, son, let's hit the water. Huh? Come on. What about this business? Well, I don't believe too much in Jesus, but I've always said, I just kind of believe you get baptized, that the Lord kind of uses it. He'd put that on your plus side when he's judging you. No, no, he won't do that. Dear friend, Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Take a moment to go to the third one in John chapter number 9. John 9, beginning with verse 33. John chapter 9, verses 33 through the verses that come after that. A blind man had been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was being questioned as to who did it. And when he didn't tell the Pharisees or give them the answer that they wanted to hear, they turned him out of the temple. If this man, the blind man said, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? Those religious uh, religious people said, and they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, (laughs) Lord, I believe. And you know what he did? And he worshipped. As soon as he got his faith right, he started worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. That's real experience there. Nothing spurious about that. Nothing counterfeit about that. Worship follows belief. And you can usually tell whether a person's relationship with the Lord is genuine or counterfeit by whether they start worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I've, I've never grown to that particular, and you never will grow to it. You'll only do that when the Lord implants faith in your heart and you exercise that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll want to worship him. because what will happen? You'll fall in love with him. Yes, sir. You'll fall in love with him. And the last one is in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Probably one of the plainest verses in the Bible. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It is not that there's any efficacy of salvation in baptism, but a man who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will want to follow him in baptism, And if he does not want to follow him in baptism, there's something artificial and counterfeit with his so-called profession of faith. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Couldn't be any plainer. So, dear friends, if we are to have salvation and justification from our sins, if we're to be one of God's children, there's got to come a time in our life when we exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And this isn't something that you pray a little prayer that you're told to do because you listen to it on by the television preacher. And he said, you just pray this little prayer like I just prayed it and God will save you. Right? We'll send you some material. Honey, you don't need material. You load it down with that. You need the gospel. That salvation comes only one way and that's through trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ completely as your Lord and your Savior and living for him and doing what he tells you to do. You say, well, I don't think I've ever had. You don't have to think anymore. You can know whether that be so or not. You can know. That's believing faith. Lord willing. Lord willing, I want to talk next Sunday morning about behaving faith. You see, behaving faith is persevering faith. That's what keeps you going, is the faith that God's given you and justified you with. And in that faith, my dear friends, you start living for Him and are faithful to Him. We'll take that into consideration. Could I share one thing with you before we have a standing prayer? Just remain seated for a moment, please.